Hello and welcome to 22 Voices, a podcast series brought to you by the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. I'm Samantha Johnson and this series will tell the stories of sporting legends and cultural trailblazers as the countdown to the Games continues. Today's guest needs just three letters by way of introduction. KJT. Katerina Johnson-Thompson has become a household name as a world-beating heptathlete, continuing a golden legacy started by Denise Lewis and Jessica Ennis-Hill. After winning her first major title at the 2018 Commonwealth Games, she produced one of the best heptathlon performances in history to win the World Championship Gold in 2019, smashing Jess Ennis-Hill's British record in the process. But it wasn't always plain sailing. After more setbacks and injuries than most athletes, she admitted she considered quitting athletics after a disappointing 2016 Olympics. Instead, she moved to France, changed her training regime and went on to become one of British athletics' biggest stars. Kat, thank you so much for joining us on 22 Voices. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Right, we have to get this one out of the way before we get to know the real Kat. But you picked up an injury at the end of last year. So how is your recovery going? Yeah, my recovery is going really well. Obviously, you know, I'm gutted that it's not the way that I wanted to start, you know, a new year. But um, I'm remaining positive and I'm, yeah, in a good place right now. I'm training all the bits and bobs I can. And, yeah, I'm progressing really fast. So I'm happy that all things are set in place for the outdoor season. And of course, we're in the middle of a pandemic. So how has lockdown like, affected your your training and your recovery? It was quite nice at the start of the year. You know, I got to stay with my mum and nan, um, obviously because I, I just, just got newly injured. So it was it was sort of like resetting in a way. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, when I'm, I'm picking up again and starting to train properly again, it's it's a bit, bit of a bother um, trying to just get permissions and filling out forms and taking tests to, to go <laughs> go use that toilet you have to take a test so it's all are you serious <laughs> like, <laughs> just like just um but yeah no it's just it's just the way of the world now it's just what we have to adapt to unfortunately um but yeah i think you know hopefully in the summer things will start to look up again um but i've been very fortunate that i've been able to access facilities and stuff so things are, are still okay i do want to talk about you know cat the not the athletes so much but uh the real you, the woman, how has the lockdown affected you and your mindset? I mean, you said before that you, you keep positive, but what do you actually do? Yeah, which lockdown? Which lockdown? Been <laughs> through all different phases. Well, that's, yeah, that's a good point because there's a, something that, um, you know, when we get memories on our phones and everything of like, our pictures and, oh, I remember first lockdown, it wasn't so bad, second lockdown, but okay, let's just say the third lockdown. Like, how have you been keeping positive? I'll, I'll break it down. The third lockdown, I've been very positive, actually. I think mm. we found ways to adapt, like I said before, and facilities are more open to trying to, you know, facilitate, you know, elite athletes because the Tokyo is happening, the Olympics are going to happen this year, so we have to find a way now. Whereas lockdown number one, um, when it got announced that the Olympics were, were going to be postponed, it was just like my whole my whole motivation and, and energy to, to get up and do what I normally do each day, like sort of started to fade away week by week. And it was just like, you know, I'm very goal orientated person mm. and athlete. And I think, 
if I haven't got a target, I don't tend to put the best, the, the, the amount of effort that I normally put in. So I think, yeah, that really, um, it was a tough time, lockdown number one. Whereas everybody else found that lockdown number one, oh, I can paint, I can do this. But I think that <laughs> hit me the hardest because obviously my dreams of Tokyo 2020 went in the bin. So um, now that lockdown number three is happening and we have the Olympics and we have a date, I'm absolutely mm-hmm. fine because I'm just working towards that. So I'm just getting my head down and, and getting the training done. So tell me about your support network in, the, in lockdown one. Like who helped you get through that moment when you realised, you know what, my goal of going to the Olympics this year is not happening. Yeah, it was it was um it was tricky because I went I came back to Liverpool. I, I trained in the south of France in Montpellier and they were sort of like two or three weeks ahead of us in terms of going into lockdown. So both lockdowns I remember saying it was like deja vu, like that's the only bit of French I know, but um, <laughs> Are you, how long have you been in France? Four years now. <laughs> and your French is what, okay? Like you can you can survive. I can understand quite a bit, but I, I get embarrassed when I talk. Um but yeah, no, they they I, I watch their lockdown announcements, mm-hmm. I watch Macron on on, on French news and then I live in, you know, quite a small apartment out there, so when the tracks were short and the gyms were short and it was just literally only long jogs and, and hill runs that we could do, I just thought I should come home and try and prepare because at that point the government was saying stay at home but, you know, the the Olympics were still happening and they were saying you need, you need to train and prepare as normal so mm-hmm. it was sort of contrasting, um, yeah, contrasting pieces of advice. So I just yeah. came home because... England, we still had a lot of a lot of things open at the time, and I managed to get another three weeks out training in Liverpool by myself. And then Boris announced that we were going into lockdown too. But after that, I I I both announcements, I was completely alone. Um, and then my boyfriend managed to come back because he trains out in Italy, so mm-hmm. he's an athlete as well, and he was going through the same stuff. And it was very easy to go through lockdown together when we were both going through the same ups and downs. Yeah, I was going to say, it must be a huge help that your boyfriend is an athlete as well, because you understand each other's goals, each each other's temperaments as well. Like, can you just tell us more about that? I mean, nothing too personal, obviously, but just how you guys supported each other. It was, it was, it was great. It was like, if one of us had a bad day, you know, the other one might feel up for training this time. So we were both dragging each other and we took oh. it in turns to sort of, you know, lose motivation. But it's also good, like we were going through the announcements at the same time together as well. So as athletes, you know, we only live in four, like four year cycles. So for us, it completely turned our lives upside down. Like we, both of us are in the same situation where we both moved abroad to try and you know achieve our goals in separate countries it's not even like we're together there so coming back home we're sort of sober and where it's like we're not really normally in England when we're in England it's off season almost and when we're away we're training and we're trying to achieve our goals so it was a sort of different dynamic trying to get used to being in Liverpool and still training um together but we were fortunate enough to get you know limited access to a track we we had a, a gym put in um, together in, in my basement, a small gym put in. Nice. So we could do a lot of work there. And yeah. times were just like, 
you know, the gym start time would start at 10 o'clock and then they would just creep back and creep back. Whereas one time I've got a video, that iPhone video memory of, <laughs> it's like this this time in, in April and it's like, we're doing a gym session at 10 p.m. <laughs> just because we felt guilty that we didn't do it the whole day. Well, at least you did it. I think some people would be like, you know what, it's 10 o'clock, I might as well just go to my bed. And sleep is very important <laughs> for your recovery as well. So during, uh, again, um, this is the last bit we'll talk about lockdown and everything, but what have you learned about your yourself not necessarily as an athlete but as cat i think that i do have patience i i didn't think mm-hmm. that i'm a very impatient person but i've really had to learn the value of that and the value of you know waiting for for, for an opportunity and i think that it's you know very easy to yeah i think because i was in you know you know, and I know people, a lot of people, a lot of athletes would say this, like, I would have done so well, but I feel like I was gaining momentum in my career and I really feel like things were, were setting myself up to, you know, do well in Tokyo, but now I've had to learn to adapt, I've had to learn to have patience, mm-hmm. I've had to learn to let things go and, you know, just focus on what I can focus on. Also, how how's your cooking skills? Because you were on the, the great... Was it the Great British Bake Off? So I'm just wondering, you know, a lot of people were making, was it banana bread and whatever? Like, did you ever do anything like that? Delivery was still was still a thing in lockdown. <laughs> so I didn't... I think I made cookies once and then I'm like, you know what, I'm not about this life. I can't do... I'd rather order out. <laughs> we went we went on the jigsaw hype instead of the banana bread hype. We were doing a lot of jigsaws. Um, I started to paint plant pots. Mm. Um, I didn't. I, I'm not that. I'm not naturally inclined to to go in the kitchen. <laughs> I've been mothered my whole life, like. I, <laughs> and that's not going to change. Not no, not that's going to change. <laughs> okay. Um, I do want to go right back to the very beginning with you and just talk about, I suppose, your career. When did you realize that the athletics life was the life for you? It was, um, I, I know the exact moment, it's, it was in 20, London 2012, and I mm. knew that, you know, before that I've, I've wanted to, I've loved doing athletics when I was growing up and when I started the sport, it was more than a hobby, it was something that I really enjoyed doing, but I didn't see a way where I could do it as a career until I got to the Olympics in 2012, it was the home Olympics, I was very lucky, but I was 19 years old, and when you know, Jess, Jess Ennis Hill, we did that victory lap together, me, here and Louise Hazel at the time. And I remember just thinking, I want that. Like, this is what I want and this is what it's all about. So I think at that point, that's when, you know, I sort of um, <laughs> quit, you know, like I, I was, I lasted two weeks in university that next September. <laughs> and that's when I was just <laughs> like, weeks. I don't want to do this. Yeah. I was like, what I, were you I studying? What? Sports science. Sports okay. Science. Yeah, so, so either way you would have gone into sports like either way you would have gone into like I don't know either if you weren't competing you'd be behind the scenes or is that, is that no, always the plan? I have no idea this is a question I still ask myself to this day we'll <laughs> <laughs> so get to like the whole you know life after athletics um at the end but um what was it about the I don't have a clue <laughs> oh girl you know what we all have I think I think you have a clue like everyone has I don't know they have an affinity to something they have a secret passion it's just whether you can tap into it and make it grow but obviously because you like you just said you are such a focused person and you have so many goals your next goal is 
Tokyo. So you can't think, I suppose, further than that. I mean, am I right, wrong? Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's, 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 my next goal is Tokyo. It's, it's this year. It's the mm. next immediate major championships and it's the Olympic Games. That's what all athletes dream about. But I think the next four years is very congested in the athletics calendar. So I think that, you know, it's, it's a lot of things to still shoot for. But my next immediate goal and everything that all my energy is going into Tokyo, you're right. And, you know, I'm, I'm putting myself out there and putting my best foot forward and trying to make sure I have no regrets when I get on the start line. So, yeah, you're right in that where I've just got tunnel vision and I don't know what happens after that. Um, we want to talk about your, I suppose, your route to being a world champion as well. Now, your best performance came at the 2019 World Championships in Doha. Now, not only did you smash, well, you did smash the British uh, heptathlon record, but other than breaking the record, what was so special about it? I think just um, after after achieving it, it was just knowing that I could achieve it. I know I've had a lot of near misses in the past, so it was just it, made, it got made a lot special, a lot more special for me because a lot of people doubted that you know it was I was capable of doing it. So I think for me it was just like, you know, me, my mom, you know, my close friends, and you know, people who know me were right in believing in me. How did you get past the the doubters? phase I mean again I would imagine I mean I'm no athlete but because it's just you out there you have to fight a lot of internal I don't know thoughts and everything like that but the outside voices of like oh you know what can she really do it I don't know how did you deal with that it's just that they don't really know your story you know you can and you can explain it and they can see it but they don't know what you've put into each performance in the past and what you've got out of it and why, you know, there was near misses at the time. So I think that, like, they're not really... Um, I, I shouldn't believe someone who doesn't understand what's went into it. So I think mm. if I believe me, if I believe my coach, he's seeing things, he's seeing me day in, day out, and he's seeing me do things in training and he thinks I'm capable of doing this, fine. My mum, she knows what I've been through and she knows that I'm like, got the goal to, to go out there and, and put myself on the line and myself. Now I know that I've been through a lot of different scenarios and I've still come out stronger. So at that point, it's just like, and I, th- I think at the time as well, it was like, I was okay with coming second. Like it was absolutely fine. I just wanted to make sure that I didn't do anything stupid. Was there a moment where you just thought, you know what, I can't do this. I don't know, just was there a little bit of a something in the back of your mind saying, you know what, girl, you don't have to go through this. <laughs> After 2016, that's when that's when I was just like, oh, I'm done with heptathlon. I've either got injured, I either got three no jumps, I either, you know, just mess up a performance like the heptathlon. I, like I'm really behind on the throws. The heptathlon is clearly not for me and the, the high jump is. And that's when I was just like, yeah, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think that the heptathlon's for me and I'm going to continue as a high jumper. But, you know, I don't know what happens within the months of August 2016 and and December 2016, but I decided to, you know, give myself a best shot. I just think I don't like having regrets, mainly. And really? I knew I didn't get, I didn't get, reach my full potential. And yeah, I wasn't finished with that event. And I'm, I'm so glad I, I didn't stop it. Indeed. And as you mentioned before, you moved to uh, Montpellier. So how did that help you in your your journey, like moving away from everything that you know in the UK to go to France? Completely different culture, everything, language, food, 
I mean, I love the food and wine and everything, but you know, it's just, how did that help you? It's, um, it, it, it was just like you say, it was a complete fresh start, it tore everything up. I didn't know what I was doing wrong. Um, but I knew that if I got rid of enough things and started again, then we'd soon find out. And yeah, I just tore my old, my old life up really and, and just started again and I needed to get away from, from everything. And yeah, and just, just start again, which was, you know, it was, which was the right decision. Mm, obviously. What do you love about being in France? I mean, I know you're not there at the moment, but yeah, not a lot of people actually take the the chance of just, you know, cutting those ties and going somewhere, starting effectively a new life somewhere else. Yeah, no, I love I love France. I, you know, I, I went and tried a couple of different places before that, but France felt right to me. I think it was the coach, it was the environment. The weather does have a lot of, lot, <laughs> a lot of, like, that's got a lot to do with it, but... I think yeah, it was just it was just the people. I think they believed in me and they could see that you know I needed help, um, and I like yeah people who believe in me. I think we all do. What's your favorite thing about France then? What's what's the best thing about living out there? I I love my little routine now. So I've got a routine where after I finish training and I've had a shower and my lunch, I just go to like my little coffee shop, which is like two hundred oh. yards. 200 yards from my house and I get my flat white and then I go into the park which is another 200 yards and I just sit in the sun and in the shade <sighs> I read and I'm just like left to my, my own devices I'm just completely zen and chilled out and it's just like I don't have anything else to do I don't have you know many friends there I've got my friends in the coffee shop but yeah. I've got my friends at training but you know it's just like I can just concentrate fully on on doing my best I can in training and then just chilling out and trying to recover after. It sounds like this beautiful, idyllic life that you've got, you know. After training, I go to a little French cafe. I mean, it sounds like something from a book. How do you... <laughs> you just said that you you like the rain. Like, come on, south of France or rainy England, like... I love both. <laughs> I love both. Like, I, I love the rain and the warm. So yeah, yeah. I, don't like, I don't like going out and it's, like, absolutely freezing the training. But I love... I love mm. um, I love both. Like Liverpool is my roots. Like I've I've come from where I used to train in Liverpool Harriers. Like a cold wave retreat track. Like Thursday nights, where we I couldn't feel my fingers for about four hours when I came back back in from training, running up hills, like getting mud splattered in my face. Like I've I've been through it all. So I think and I never used to go on, on, on warm weather training camps as well. So I just feel like I deserve this this life in France. It's weird, like before, before um, one of the one of the sessions, I had a really hor- horrible session last winter. I just remember calling my mum and just saying, like, yeah, I got through it. I remember lying on the floor and just like watching the clouds like pass, and I'm just like, it's just another another Wednesday, like back <laughs> next Wednesday to do it again, mm. and it's just like you just have to get through it and take it off, and that's it. It's done. And you just have to yeah. keep doing that until you get to the until <laughs> the champs. Girl, I love your mentality. I really do. I admire it so much because me, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> it gets to the point where you have to break it down into like, not day by day, but literally like rep by rep. Where it's like, just got to get through this rep. <laughs> anyway, I bow down to you. I really do. Okay, I do want to move on to something um, that I know is very important to you. Um, now, last year you wrote an article for Vogue um, about the Black Lives Matter movement. Can you just 
Tell me about your experiences with racism and why you felt like you wanted to talk about this and be so open about your journey. I just think like what we said in lockdown, like everybody had different ways of handling, you know, all that time to like sit and think. And, you know, obviously when all that stuff starts happening with, with George Floyd, it, it did bring back a lot of um, things where it's just like, oh, I didn't think that was racist at the time or like I would just shrug that off and just didn't want to make a fuss or didn't want to make, you know, a scene. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're like really ignorant views and um, it does affect how you value yourself and your appearance and stuff. So I think uh, I've I've just thought back to a lot of, behaviors and habits what I've had and what I've developed from being a very young girl growing up in a place where you know I was different and I think yeah I just wanted to, to write about that and and hopefully you know I had a good good um, response to it and if it can help you know somebody going through the same things then that was that was what was important to me at the time. But you do come across like a very like a private person so when you actually wrote this article did it feel like you're kind of opening yourself up to the public like this is how I feel this is the real cat this isn't just someone who's I don't know a PR machine or anything it's you know a, a weight has been lifted off your shoulders yeah no it wasn't like a weight had been lifted off my shoulders it's just scary sharing you know things that you know I, I was scared to share with my mum at the time like I remember mm-hmm. being scared to even share it with my mum so to put it out there was wow. was you know big for me um for sure and I think <laughs> I wouldn't call myself a PR machine like I do feel like I am very open and honest but at the same time like I've never been that open and honest so it was mm-hmm. very sick like scary experience for me um when yeah when it when it got posted you said in the past that as a sports person, you live by the motto, and this was in your, your article, that you, you live, well, anything for an easy life and that you were kind of conscious to make your opinions bland. So what was the trigger for you to actually come out and say, you know what, this is how I really feel. I don't care about the backlash. I just didn't feel like it was enough to repost and retweet and, you know, just do support like on a sort of basic level it was just I think I needed to have a voice to it and I needed to say more than just like you know the hashtag um and I wanted to like expand on my experience because I feel like I have got a lot of followers you know who who didn't know that I'd been through the side of um that sort of side and yeah I just wanted them to know that it is a real thing because you know they sort of maybe could shrug it off and say oh, that's in America it's not here but it's mm. everywhere <laughs> I mean I kind of connected with your your article because again we're both in that weird middle intersexuality where we're black and we're women I mean how do you think that other women have related to your story as well yeah, no, for sure. And I did get a lot of messages. I did get a lot of messages saying, you know, like, well done for, for like, sharing that. And a lot of messages from other athletes as well who are, you know, the same um, intersection as us. And, yeah, it was it was, it was was comforting when, you know, I had that anxiety to, to post it and, and was scared to post it. But it was comforting to know that, you know, a lot of people felt, felt the same and mm-hmm. had those experiences, just those little minor experiences. But when you think about it, it's like, oh, you know, that's, that's not okay. Yeah. I mean, are you optimistic of change? 
yeah i'm definitely optimistic of change i think that you know it's going to be slow um it's not gonna we're not gonna yeah. see it like switch overnight but as long as everyone continues to to talk about it and and try and learn and, and do the work i think that you know the next generation of, of kids are i'm 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 really optimistic in in them and their views well, you are a girl after my own heart and you've got some very strong ties with uh, the West Midlands. I don't know if you can already tell, but I'm from Birmingham. I've got Birmingham. <laughs> so let's talk about my hometown. You've had some um, outstanding performances, both outdoors at the, at the um, Alexander Stadium and indoors at the National Indoor Arena. Uh, what memories do you have of competing in Brum? I, I want to take it back, but you know, I want to take it back when I was a kid. I used to, I used to do my first English schools was there. Um, really? I used to, me and my mum used to go to the the three A's and under fifteen championships in Birmingham, the the NIA in the city centre. And we used to get the National Express up, and I used to do the high jump in my sprint. <laughs> you got off at Digbeth, didn't, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like Birmingham, that both both of those stadiums. Both of those stadiums hold a lot, a lot of memories for me growing up. It's just my my actual childhood. And young athletes league finals were there and, and everything. Oh. So I remember, I really remember the, the both stadiums. Um, but yeah, my one of my favorite memories I've had there is obviously the World Indoor Championships, which were just such a magical, magical weekend. Um, when I think back at it now, I remember it was, it was that weekend where it just snowed and snowed and snowed. Oh and gosh. Everyone like, like my my um, family almost didn't make it, and almost cr- my friend almost crashed the car because the snow was that thick. But oh, um, and then on the Monday it was just all clear, so it did feel like absolute magic. And uh, to compete against in in the World Championships at home stadium mm. was just yeah, it was just so good for me. And my boyfriend at the time he won as well. Then my training partner he won too. So it just felt like the perfect the perfect three okay. days. How old were you at the time? What year was it? Two thousand and eighteen. Okay, so did you did you ever go out in Birmingham? Like, did you go to did you go out on like Broad Street or anything like that? The Arcadia. <laughs> we all went out on the Sunday night after the champs. I think on that on that little strip. Little Is it Broad Dungeons Street? Anti strip. I don't, I can't remember which. Um, I can't remember which club. Do you want me to find out? Yeah, find out which one it is. I'd like to know where you actually ate out. So when you go back to Birmingham for 2022, you're going to have like this kind of warm, fuzzy feeling like, yeah, this is, this is, I know you're Liverpoolian, but this is my hometown as well. This is going to be my home games. It's literally, it's definitely where I started my career. I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, the way between, obviously my hometown and Liverpool is where I trained and is where I did my first, um, where I did my first, sort of school competition but Birmingham um, is where I did my first English schools it's where I did the Young Athletes League the final it's where I did um, yeah English schools I've got videos of me doing the, the last relay leg in English schools and almost like messing messing up the relay baton change and it's definitely um, a stadium where you know I've had many highs and lows there British champs throughout the years you know it's where I pulled my quads before the World Championships in, in 2015 and 20, in, in 2015 for Beijing. And it's, it's where, you know, I've, I've came back and done it and PBs and stuff in, in, in the long jump too. So it's one of those stadiums where it's got a lot of history for me and it's just perfect that, you know, the Commonwealth Games will be there next year. And you also 
the the face of Birmingham 2022 as well. So it's all really fitting that you have all these great memories of the city, of the stadium, and you are the the poster girl. You're the poster person for for these games as well. Yeah, no, it's 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 crazy, yeah, and I'm I'm super excited to, you know, for for just to. I'm excited to have like crowds and stuff back in athletics and I'm excited for for just normality and just the home games and, and to have fans and yeah, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be great. I am can't wait. I'm buzzing for you, I can't wait. Like, cause like you said, it's you're gonna have fans in the state like you're right, have some sort of normality back and that's what we're all kind of just edging for whether it's fans in stadiums in football or rugby or whatever even going on holiday we just want something that we're familiar with yeah and that's how i picture it in my head and you know i hope that yeah yeah that's how i picture it in my head so i'm just like super excited for next year okay so let's talk about i know you said that you haven't really thought about it because you're really driven and everything but life after athletics so how important is it for you to win at the olympics before you retire yeah that's a really good question and i think it's it's important for me because i have achieved like a lot of things that i've wanted to achieve um and i still don't feel like you know i've reached my full potential i still don't feel like i've gotten everything i've wanted out the sport so i think that's a huge driving force and in my motivation i think that it's important to me, it's important to any athlete, it's the pinnacle of their career, so I think that winning the Olympics is a huge thing, but at the same time, if I know that I've done my best, like the mentality, what I went into Doha with, knowing that if I got, you know, 7,000 points but came second, I would be so proud, whereas, like, you can't sort of control anybody else, so what I want to do more than make my win the olympics is just make myself proud when i'm there and and i think that's enough to win it and how many games do you think you have in you uh, another another two at least like counting tokyo um definitely to paris 2024 20, um that's for sure and that would be almost <laughs> like a home games yeah <laughs> like you've got a lot of homes <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but it's it's super difficult to win an Olympic medal. I think that's why the weight behind it, you know, is 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 always is always there. It's every four years, and you have to be ready on that day every four years. And I think that this time is a bit weird because we've, you know, had that delay, and every every athlete was preparing for it to be last year, and now we have to adapt and adjust and and create new ways to to get to our highest point at that time so I think it's definitely going to be an interesting games and there's definitely going to be a lot of athletes who should have won last year who might not win this year and vice versa and people coming back from pregnancies people getting injuries and I think that all I can do is put myself in the best possible position so on that start line I'm ready to go and that's what I'm yeah that's what I'm there for do you think it's been like an advantage or a disadvantage to actually push the games back? I mean, you just made a, be- a, a very valid point that, you know, people are coming back from pregnancies or injuries. So for them, it's actually, OK, this is a bonus. But what about you? Has this actually worked in your favour? Everyone's different. Everyone's different. And I, you never know what can happen. And that is the beauty of sport. 
and I don't know what could have happened, you know, my injury could have happened last year, and I'm lucky that my injury happened when it happened, because it's given me enough time to prepare for them, so you, you just don't know what can happen, and, and that's why we, that's why we love sport. Yeah, yep, it's a, I've got, I've got to say, I've got a love-hate relationship with it, especially when it comes to football, but it's, you know, that kind of, it's the hope that, the hope that kills you, which leads me very nicely to my next question and Liverpool. <laughs> I know that you're a huge Liverpool fan. What's going on? I mean, okay, in the league, <laughs> Jurgen Klopp says, you know, okay, you know what, this title defence is done, but in the Champions League, you're actually looking all right. Like, oh, I've got a good answer to this. What's <laughs> going on is that we're missing the fans in Anfield and that was the mm. importance of a home advantage. And that's what you're putting it down to. Yeah. Well, you know the final's going to be in Istanbul, right? Like, how amazing would that be if Liverpool actually got so far to the Champions League final and got came back to Istanbul? If I believe in any team to do it, it's Liverpool. So, yeah, I think I think we've got the motivation there. And our last Champions League game was, was really good. And I think that all of our focus... It looks like a lot of our focus is going on on that on that um, trophy now. So, very excited to to go on the journey with them. Oh, that's cute. Well, speaking of uh, Liverpool, you're part you're a patron of uh, their LFC Foundation. Can you tell me more about your role with them? I am um, launching the the KJT Academy. So it's an academy for sixteen to twenty one year olds who you know like what we spoke about and um what i spoke about in my vogue article last year uh, athletes who you know are from the bain background who you know wouldn't have the opportunity to you know support themselves financially or get kit or a lot of different things so um, i'm so happy that you know we're launching that this year and i get to help you know a lot of young athletes from the northwest out and that's something that's really close to your heart just giving back yeah no and that's something that i'm really excited about Okay, um, I've got some uh, suppose quick fire questions for you as well. Don't be don't be alarmed, but um, again, just another way to get to know the real cat. So, first question: favorite book. <laughs> I'm really bad at quick fire. That's really throwing me. Okay, you know what? Okay, maybe not quick fire. <laughs> Okay, so you're great at sports, you're quick at sports, well, but just, you're not good with quick fire. Okay, really. so the first, the first thing that I just thought then was Grief is a Thing with Feathers is my favourite book, but I didn't want to say that. But that's, wow. that was my, I, I, don't, I don't know, Max Porter. Um, it's, a bit, it's a bit weird book, it's, it's weird. It sounds interesting, what's it about? It's about... Um... <laughs> Girl, you said it, come on. Come well, on! It's, it's um, it's about it's about a guy who loses his wife, and he's got two young kids, and then a crow comes to help them and the family oh. through through this tragedy, and um, it's like half poetry, half prose, like, and this this crow helps them, like, get over the death of the the mum. It's it's weird, but it's 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 my favorite book. It's a little, That's beautiful little book, yeah. Why 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 did you laugh at that answer? It's just we were like. Laughing and I'm like, yeah, this this really dark book. But no, but that's that's yeah, but that book sounds like it's got depth. Like, come on, it's I love I love the sound of it. Um, your guilty pleasure in life. My guilty pleasure is is just staying in bed and watching Netflix until you know it feels like I need to go and get a shower. <laughs> 
that's all of us. That's lockdown. <laughs> it's not even guilty anymore. It's just, it is what it is. What are you watching on Netflix? Um, nothing on Netflix at the minute, but I'm watching um, It's a Sin, and I think it's Channel 4. I've watched Bridgerton, which was great. Loved it. It takes me a while when someone says, oh, this is really good. I don't know why. I haven't watched Bridgerton. It took me so long to watch Queen's Gambit. Yeah, I think you have to do it in your own time. Like, look, look, we're not going anywhere. Like, we've got time to, to watch it. Favourite song? Um, my favourite song is Frank Ocean's Pink and White. <gasps> yes. Oh, that was such a quick answer from me. My, no, no, but it's, yeah, it's obviously your favourite. And I approve because that song is... Stunning. Yeah, yeah. I like his, his first album. Was it the Orange? Yeah, it's yeah. 10 years old was... the other day. Really? Jesus. This is... Yeah, okay, I don't like feeling this old. This is not good. This is not good. It's not good. Okay, uh, next question. Uh, Favourite cheat meal? Uh, pizza. Just pizza. I'm not saying mac and cheese is cheat anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Pizza is cheese. Pizza, yeah. Pizza, yeah. Pizza for the win. Uh, finally, what's your motto in life? Anything for an easy life. <laughs> that's just a I've got to say, I like your, um, the way you approach things. Like you, like you said, you have a list, you map out, you know, what you can change or, you know, if you've got a goal, you write it down, whatever. I realise you're a Capricorn, <laughs> right? So... And oddly enough, your your birthday is one day after mine. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'm the 8th of January and you're the 9th. So when you started saying, I do this, I'm like, ah, okay. I, I get it, that Capricorn energy. I get it. I get it. Yeah. And that stubbornness as well. <laughs> yeah. And taking our time. We, we procrastinate. I can't even say procrastinate. Like, yeah, I'm the worst. But yeah. But yeah, it makes a lot of sense now. So I think that's why I've enjoyed listening to you because it's like, yeah, okay, forget it. Look, uh, Kat, thank you so much for joining us on 22 Voices. The future is so, 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 so bright for you and um, love your energy, so just keep it up. Thank you. No, thanks for having me. I really enjoyed this chat. You've been listening to 22 Voices from the Birmingham 2022 Commonwealth Games. I've been Samantha Johnson, and thank you to my special guest, Katerina Johnson-Thompson. To hear more from 22 Voices, head over to birmingham2022.com forward slash 22 Voices. And don't forget to subscribe by searching for 22 Voices wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening and catch you again next time.